0: Wonderful. Well, we're going to spend some time around the Word, but first, on a lighter note. There was a little old lady who every morning stepped onto her front porch, raised her arms to the sky, and shouted, Praise the Lord! One day, an atheist moved into the house next door. He became irritated at the little old lady. Every morning, he'd step onto his porch after her, and yelled, There is no Lord. Time passed, with the two of them carrying on like this every day. One morning in the middle of winter, the little old lady stepped onto her front porch and shouted, Praise the Lord! Please, Lord, I have no food, and I am starving. Provide for me, O Lord. The next morning, she stepped onto her porch, and there were two huge bags of groceries sitting there. Praise the Lord, she cried out. He has provided groceries for me. The atheist neighbor jumped out of the hedges and shouted, There is no Lord. I bought those groceries. The little old lady threw her arms in the air and shouted, Praise the Lord. He has provided groceries for me and made the devil pay for them. All right, I'm speaking this morning about covenants. Would you say the word covenant? Perhaps it's a subject that is not covered very often, very regularly. And I believe that the Lord laid it on my heart to touch on this aspect of covenant today. Holy Spirit, would you please use me as your mouthpiece? Would you speak through me? I thank you that your presence is so wonderfully here. We sense in your presence you are busy working. We say, have your way, Holy Spirit. Talking about covenant this morning, and five aspects that I'd like to touch on in the time that we have remaining. Number one, God is a God of covenant. If you're making notes, you can jot that down. Number one, God is a God of covenant. We see in Psalm 105, verse 7 and 8, it says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever. And the word which He commanded for a thousand generations. You see, this is just the way that God operates. God is a God that operates and interacts with us as mankind on the basis of covenant. And so therefore I think it's important that we have a little bit of an understanding of what covenant is and what it means in our lives. The biblical definition of covenant is an unchangeable binding engagement between God and man that contains certain conditions of relationship. Can I repeat that definition? What is a covenant? This is it. A covenant is an unchangeable, binding engagement between God and man that contains certain conditions of relationship. Now, throughout God's Word, we see many different covenants that were evident in the Word There's a couple of well-known covenants, and let's just take a look at a few of them quickly. I'd like to mention them to you. I'll also give you the scripture references in case you want to have them. Uh, The first covenant is the covenant in Eden, known as the Edenic Covenant. We see that in Genesis 2, verse 15 to 17. Another covenant is the covenant with Adam, the Adamic Covenant, in Genesis 3, verse 14 to 21. a third covenant that we see in the Bible is the covenant with Noah, the Noahic covenant, which is in Genesis 9, verse 1 to 19. And in this covenant, God promises, He says, I will, firstly, Noah, I will take you out, I will spare you as a family, and then the earth will be destroyed, and after it, I will never destroy the earth with water again. It will not happen again. And I will give you the sign of a rainbow as a sign of that covenant. And you know what? Every time you and I see a rainbow in the sky, we can know that the Noahic covenant, the covenant with Noah, is still in effect. Andrew sent me a photo last week From down in the Drakensberg, it must have been tough down there, all those days of leave and so on. But he sent me a photo with a beautiful rainbow that was there, kind of over the mountain and Chalet area. And it was very, very beautiful. When you see that, you can know that it's one of the ways that God has caused nature to shine forth. An indication of his promise, his covenant with Noah. Another one which is in Genesis 12, is the, please turn there, is the covenant with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. Please take up your Bible, don't let it sit next to you on the chair. If you haven't got a Bible, steal your neighbor's Bible. No, just kidding. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 to 3. This is where the covenant with Abraham is initiated. And it says in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord God had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And here he's covenanting with Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What a beautiful covenant that God brought about with Abraham. That uh, you know what? The good news is that you and I are the seed of Abraham in Christ. And as a result, this is your promise, sir. <laughs> this is your promise, ma'am. And God says that I will make you great and that you will be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Through you, others around you will be touched. Through you, lives will be influenced and blessed. That covenant that he started off saying to Abraham applies to you and I today. Another covenant is the covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant, which we see in Exodus 19, verse 5 to 8. Then there's also the covenant concerning Palestine. The Palestinian covenant, which we see in Deuteronomy 29 and Deuteronomy 30. And this was a covenant concerning the possessing of the land. The possessing of the promised land. And God said, He said, I'm going to give you a land. It will be your promised land. As surely as I live, this will be your land. And then He also said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today to choose. That you must choose life or death blessing or curses and so part of that covenant was the encouragement to choose life we see another covenant the covenant with david the davidic covenant we see this in second samuel 7 verse 4 to 17 and basically god says david i'm covenanting with you you are going to build me a house and i will establish the name of your throne or your throne forever. That's what God said. There was this covenant. You build me a house, I will establish your name throughout all the generations. That is the Davidic covenant. So those are just some of the covenants that we see in the word of God, some of the most important ones. And I believe that that does show us that God does interact with us at a covenant level. Now, then we have the New Covenant. And even the very Bible is divided into the Old Testament. Testament means covenant. And the New Testament. But now, the New Covenant, which brings me to to point number two. Number two, we are in a covenant relationship with God. It's called the New Covenant. It's important to understand and to treat The level of our relationship with God at covenant level. Not just at the level of, hey, well, we've kind of got a little bit of an agreement going. No, no, no. We are in covenant relationship with God. It's called the new covenant. Please turn to Jeremiah 31. Would you please turn there, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And if you look at Jeremiah 31, verse 31 you'll see where, in a sense, the new covenant is prophetically spoken of. By the way, this is also referred to the same passage in Hebrews 8, verse 7 to 13. But let's look at the Old Testament appearance of it. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Here it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a what? Can you say that a little louder? God says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant, which is the old covenant, that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this Is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Here it is I will put my law in their minds, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. We're in a covenant relationship with God. Right here in Jeremiah 31, it kicks off prophetically. What is God saying? He's saying, I will be their God, and they will be my people. He said, I'm going to do this amazing thing. I'm going to put the laws, right into their minds, right into their hearts, so that from their hearts there will be that desire to worship me. We also see this confirmed in Ezekiel 36:26. I'll just read it. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your heart of flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus also confirmed it in Luke 22, verse 20, where he said, this cup, when he was having communion for the first time, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Are you getting the picture? We're in a covenant relationship with God. This covenant is all about the ability for us to really draw near to Father God, by the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. One of the major things that you and I can experience as a result of the new covenant is personal access to the Father. Something which in the Old Testament times you could never have experienced really coming into the glory of God. It was only reserved for the high priest once a year who would go into that place. But the good news is, this is open to everyone from the greatest to the youngest, the oldest to the least, whatever. It's available to you personal access to the Father. Are you making use of your access? Do you, do you run into the presence of God? Do you run into the high tower and find safety? Do you hide under the shadow of the Almighty and find your, your, your sense of fulfillment there? Because... It's one of the major benefits that you and I have. Hebrews 8 verse 6 says, But now He, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as He is also mediator, listen to this, of a better covenant. In other words, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. It says He is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. You know what? I am glad that we are living in the New Testament covenant times. Does anybody say amen? Amen. Because this is a better covenant. If you want it to be alive in exciting times and in the best dispensation, this is the time to be alive under the new covenant, which is a better covenant, and it is founded on better promises. What are some of the benefits of this covenant? Righteousness. Freedom. The blood of Jesus as a living reality in our lives. Some of the other benefits of this covenant is eternal salvation. Personal access to God, which I mentioned. Better promises. Some of the other benefits of this covenant are complete mercy. Abundant life, which in the Old Testament times they couldn't experience. But Jesus came to give us abundant life. Another benefit of this covenant is plenty of grace. Praise the Lord. We're in a covenant relationship with Him. It's called the new covenant. Number three of five points. We need to value and protect our covenant relationship. We should be determined to not let anything get in the way of our relationship with God. How do we do this? We do this by keeping the Lord's ways, by keeping His principles, by walking in His ways, and you know also, by keeping ourselves clean. What happened last Sunday was not just a small thing, as we destroyed hindrances and bondages that were brought from our homes and we crushed it with hammers and burnt them with fire, that was not a small thing that took place last Sunday. That was a significant act of obedience. It was a significant act saying we wanted to keep ourselves clean from these negative things that the enemy wants to bring into our lives. Just a a scripture from Psalm 25 verse 14 listen for the word covenant. It says here, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. goes on to say, and he will show them his covenant. If you want to experience all of the fullness of the covenant blessings, keep yourself clean. If you want to jeopardize the blessings that God wants you to be experiencing in your life, mess around with things of the enemy. Mess around with things that are wicked. But no, we don't want to do that. We're here in church today because we are serious about God. And as you endeavor to walk in a way that is pleasing to God, you know what? The fullness of the covenant blessings become your everyday reality. It's the everyday thing that you walk in. Please turn to 2 Chronicles as quick as you can. I'm going to just read a passage which we referred to last week. 2 Chronicles uh, 34 and verse 29 to 33. And I want you to notice the correlation here between covenant and between clean, okay? Between getting the nation clean this is speaking about Josiah king Josiah and the steps that he took it says in chapter 34 verse 29 it says then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and the king went up to the house sorry uh, and the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the priests and levites and all the people great and small He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. I'm reading between the lines here, but it seems to be that the covenant book was not in high priority at that stage. But they found it somewhere in the temple, and they began to read it. Verse 31, Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant. This is what we're talking about before the Lord, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take their stand for it. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And now watch the outflow in verse 33. It says, Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. And his days, and all his days, They did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. I find this interesting. The correlation here is they discover the book of the covenant. The king says, come, come, come. Guys, we're going to read out of this book. And he begins to read it. Suddenly, God's spirit begins to work in his heart and he realizes we haven't been walking in the ways of the Lord. And he says, God, I'm renewing this covenant that you have with us. But from our side today, I'm renewing it. And I'm saying with all of my heart, I want to walk according to your ways. And he said, you people of the nation of Israel, take your stand. Stand up and say, I'm going according to the covenant of God. That's the way we're going to do business from now on. According to God's covenant. And the moment that it happened, Josiah found all the abominations that were the belongings of the children of Israel. Sometimes we have things that belong to us that are an abomination in the eyes of God. He hates them. But you know what? As we destroy those things, God says, The fullness of the covenant blessings will be yours because of obedience. The scripture in Psalm 24 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Number four. We need to esteem the God established covenant of marriage. We need to esteem the God established covenant of marriage. Do you know that God sees marriage as a covenant? How do you think the world sees it? Not in the same light. But it says in Malachi 2.14, I'll read it to you. It says, The Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. And yet, she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Your wife by covenant. The world sees marriage as a contract. But God has never, ever seen it as a contract. God sees marriage as a covenant. What's the difference between a contract and a covenant? Contracts focus on getting. Covenants focus on giving. Contracts involve commitment until the agreement is broken. Covenants involve commitment until death. Contracts are enforced by law. Covenants are enforced by character. Covenants require, sorry, contracts require the signing of signatures. Covenants require the binding of hearts. Covenants, sorry, contracts are secular and answerable to man. But covenants are sacred and answerable to God. Covenants are established with the shedding, sorry, contracts are established with the shedding of ink on paper, but covenants are established with the shedding of blood. And I want to take you back to the way God intended it to be, and it's as follows God's intention is that when a man and a woman come together in marriage, in the act of intimacy, there is a special little part in the lady. That is broken, which causes bleeding. And in that instance, in that instant of what takes place right there, covenant is established. That is the way God has intended it to be. That's also a physical sign of covenant. Another covenant would be the example of brothers, blood brothers, cutting their wrists and mingling their blood signaling that they are in covenant relationship. But you know what? We have to make sure that we don't, in terms of marriage, bring God down to society's level. Can I hear any amen on that one? We have to step up to God's level, which is a level of understanding covenant. Now, I'd like to say this. I have been concerned. I have been... Burdened, lately, as I see the amount of divorce taking place in this church, in this congregation. I have been concerned. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it's just a phase and it'll pass, but we can't even say that. We can't even say that. I have really been concerned and I felt the Lord said I needed to touch on this under the whole aspect of covenant. That we need to understand that this is not a contract that we have with somebody, but it is a covenant relationship. And that's also not just a covenant that you stick in and you grin and bear it till the day you die. But you know what? It's a covenant to love. It's a covenant to honor it's a covenant to respect. It's a covenant to cherish that person, and some of us are guilty of breaking the covenant. Although we're still married, we've broken it in terms of not giving honor and not giving respect and cherishing and still cultivating that love God and in our hearts for that other person. You know what? God's plan is not that there would be the statistics that they are. God has said this, I've called you to be set apart. You know what that means? The statistics that we see in the world should not be the statistics that we see in the church, but sadly, they are virtually identical in terms of divorce. God says to you, My people, my son, my daughter, I've called you to be set apart. I've called you not to be like those others that don't know my name, that aren't called according to my name. But I have called you to be set apart. And you know what? I think the covenant relationship of marriage is still one of the most beautiful things that you can ever experience on the face of the earth. It really is. And God has designed that our covenant relationship in terms of marriage would be like an oasis an oasis, in a dry and thirsty world, in a cutthroat world, in a climb the corporate ladder, smash the next guy in the teeth kind of world, God has said, no, 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 marriage is meant to be like an oasis where you come and get refreshed and strengthened to go out again and face another day. And you know, imagine with me somebody that's been married for 25 years. Maybe they're celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary and their marriage... It's healthy, it's blessed, it's in good shape. And you know what? They're ready for the next 25 years. They continue to treat one another with respect. They don't become rude and puffed up towards each other, but they respond in a beautiful way. You know what? After that amount of years and the years that they're still looking forward to, you know what happens? There's an amazing uh, database of memories, of interactions that you build up over many years. But the person that will get divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried, oftentimes, by the time you're on your second or third marriage, you can't even share some of these things with your wife of your latest marriage because they've missed out on so much of your life. They've missed out on so many years of your life and they don't understand. They don't remember what it was like when you were living in that one bedroom flat lit in sunny side and you could hardly afford to pay the rent. But you know what? Covenant is about long term. It's about long term. Does anybody say amen? amen. And you know, for Mandri and I, we've been in July, uh, is it July? June. We've been married, we'll be married for... <laughs> <Out>. <laughs> Yeah, when's your wedding anniversary? But uh, in June. We'll be married for for 14 years, and I praise the Lord for 14 good years, and I've often used used the word oasis to describe what the Lord has done for us. Yes, it does take two parties continually wanting to work on the marriage and love God and put God first, but praise God for what He's done. But actually now, in April, Mandri and I are celebrating 20 years since I asked her out. 20 years ago. How's that? eh? But I really felt stirred in my heart that God wanted me to say something about this. God's plan is not... Breaking of covenant. God's plan is covenant relationships. Covenant equals long term. And I commend every one of you here that has remained faithful to the wife of your youth. God says, Well done. I believe that God encourages you, says, Well done. If you went through the unfortunate happening of a divorce, well, you know what? Determine in your heart that you're never going to allow that to happen in your life again. But you're going to trust God for a whole new dimension in the current marriage that you're in. Yes, God is a God of the second chance. But we've got to make sure that we don't just treat it as a contract that we're ready to step out of when the going gets tough. Marriage is not always about easy. There's times when it is tough. But I believe that God wants us to step up to His level. Divorce is only permitted in terms of Scripture when adultery has occurred. Also, there is a scriptural basis for divorce when there is unmistakable and ongoing abuse. If I had time, I could show you those Scriptures, but we don't have time for that. Also, there is a scriptural basis for divorce when you, as a believer, are married to an unbeliever and he or she seeks a divorce from you. There is also a basis for that. But you know what? In all these things, and maybe especially in the case of adultery, you have a right to get divorced scripturally. But God says there's a more excellent way. There's the way of love. And if at all possible, even if there has been adultery in your situation, you can extend the heart and the grace of God, and you can trust God for a new beginning. There are many people here that I know of personally that there has been a marital unfaithfulness situation, but you know what? They've determined to love and forgive, bless and move on, and today God is using them in significant leadership positions, in churches, in ministries. Praise God, He's a God of restoration. But the point is this, that we need to... Esteem the God-established covenant of marriage. We need to treat it as a covenant. Lastly, and very briefly, number five, we can feel secure because God always keeps His covenant. Even when we are not faithful to our covenant relationship with God, you know what? God says He is faithful and He'll seek to bring you around. It says... In Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, it says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant. Would you say those two words with me? Keeps covenant. Say it one more time, a little louder. Keeps covenant. What is our God? He is a covenant keeping God. He's a God that keeps covenant. It goes on to say, He keeps covenant and mercy. For a thousand generations, with those who love him and keep his commandments. I praise God that we serve a faithful God. I praise God that we serve a God of covenant. And in conclusion, I'd like to read this scripture to you. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Listen for the words covenant. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well and pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you please stand? As you stand, would you take the hand of the person next to you? And now specifically, I want to pray that prayer over you. But I also just want to remind you that we serve a God of covenant. That we are in a covenant relationship with Him. And we need to make sure that we treat marriage on that level of covenant. Wouldn't you close your eyes as I pray this out over you? Lord, I pray according to Hebrews 13, verse 20. And I pray, O God... Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. May God, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you whatever is pleasing in His sight, through Christ Jesus To whom be glory forever and ever. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word that you have spoken, I believe, clearly to us today. And we determine we will be those that walk in accordance with the heart and the spirit of the covenant in which we find ourselves with you. I say, God bless each and every one of you. God give you a wonderful day, fill you with joy bless and heal and restore your marriage, your family lives, and provide for you in every way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for His goodness. God bless you.